0: Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Uh, it's great to see you today. Uh, it's a little cold outside, but I'm, we're glad that you're here and you chose to come and worship with us. Today, we're continuing in this series that we've been in entitled My Grown Up Christmas Wish. And I think it's safe to say that for most of us, as we've aged and grown older, that some of the wonder and the awe of Christmas has faded. Um, Even for us as Christians, right? Because as Christians, like, we know the reason for the season and, you know, the, the whole reason why we celebrate this time of year. We know all of that. But yet, I think if we were honest, like Christmas still just feels different than it did when we were children. And I think a reason for that is something that Pastor Dave mentioned in the first week of this series, which is that as, as a child, Christmas kind of represented this opportunity to get the things that seemed out of reach, like the things that we could never afford to get for ourselves. I know when I was a kid, at uh, this time of year, I always looked forward to the day that we received the Sears and the JCPenney's Penney's. Christmas catalogs, everybody remember those, the wish books? Yeah. If you were like me, you spent hours studying that thing as a kid, like I could tell you what page certain toys were on and it meant we would be just intently making our lists. And then I would spend the whole month of December just kinda consumed with whether or not I would get the things on that list. And, uh, <laughs> And some of those years, more so than others, I would just kind of almost make myself sick, obsessing about this one particular toy, whether or not I would get that one particular toy. I mean, I would be so stressed out about it. Uh, One of the years, it was this right here. (laughs) Castle Grayskull, man. See, that year, I was all about He-Man and the masters of the universe. You guys remember He-Man? Yes. Speaking of He-Man, if you've never seen it, there's a series on Netflix entitled The Toys That Made Us, and it's this documentary about these, just kinda how these toys came to, it is fascinating. To hear the stories of how these billion dollar brands came to be, Uh, one of the the episodes was on He-Man, and basically here's what happened. Mattel, the toy company, passed on the license for Star Wars. The biggest boneheaded move in all of toy making history, I don't know, whatever. But like you passed on Star Wars, the most profitable franchise of all time, right? And so kind of they were hating their lives at that point and kind of sulking about it. So this is no lie, the designer made these overly muscled up action figures to make the Star Wars action figures look wimpy so that boys wouldn't wanna play with them. I mean, it was fascinating. But man, that year, I just, eight years old, it was like these cheap plastic toys were life and death. I mean, I I made my best argument, my best case to my parents and I still don't know if they fully understood that I had to have it that year. Luckily, Santa came through for me, and I, it was magical, me and my Castle Gray school. And it was awesome for about two months, and I got tired of it. <laughs> but you know, as we move into adulthood, our desires change. And now, kind of, we're in this place of life where we have the means to get the things that we really want. But that doesn't mean that now there's not. There's not things that we long for, wishes that we have. And I think some of these desires, some of these longings that we carry as adults, they're with us all year long. But I do believe that at this time of year, around Christmas, that a lot of these longings, a lot of these desires, these wishes that we have kind of come to the surface. And that's. Really what we've been talking about in this series. And so uh, the first week, Pastor Dave talked about being able to restore the wonder and awe. And then last week, we heard a message on just peace and having peace on earth. And today, I, I want to talk about a, a kind of a grown-up Christmas wish that, like, it's a little hard to describe in one word, but I think the best, the closest I can get to it is this idea of home, this longing for home. And when I'm talking about home, I'm not talking about your current physical residence. When I'm talking about home, I'm not talking about a part of the country. You may think, you hear home and you're like, oh yeah, I'm from the Northwest or the East Coast. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about a, a certain time in your life. When I'm talking about home, I'm talking about this sense of home. And there's something about this time of year, there's something about Christmas that brings this longing, this desire for home to the surface. I don't know if it's stories like, "'Twas the night before Christmas," right? Went all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, or all the Hallmark movies. I mean, every Hallmark movie starts the same, doesn't it? It's like this wide shot of this picturesque town, and it zooms in on this picturesque little house, and then it zooms in on the front window, and there's a Christmas tree and a fire, and all the family gathered around. But I think this time of year, we just, we have this longing for the sense of home, whatever that means. And I know in a room this large, there's a lot of different backgrounds. I know there's a lot of different stories represented here. But I wanna tell you up front that this message, I believe, is for everyone. So you may have had a rough childhood. You may have come from a broken home, but this message is for you. Or maybe you were very blessed and had an awesome family and a great childhood, but this message is still for you because this message speaks to this desire inside of our human heart, this deep longing that we all have. And what I wanna do for the first part of this is just take a few minutes to kinda unpack what I'm talking about when I talk about this sense of home. And the first thing is this, home is where I'm known. Home is where I'm known. And not just known, but where I'm understood. You see, I long for a place where others know me. They know my story. I long for a place where people, they know where I've been and where I want to go. I want to be somewhere where people, they, they know what inspires me, they know what encourages me, but they also know my greatest fears and what discourages me. I long for a place where people, they know my gifts and what I'm good at, but they also know my, my weaknesses and where I need help. I think we all have this longing to be known. And to me, that's what home is. Home is where you're known. Second thing is home is where I'm loved. I think the Greeks got this idea of love. They got this right. Because you see, they've got four different words for the word love. In our language, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my buddies, but I don't love my buddies like I love my kids, and I don't for sure love my buddies like I love my wife. I love playing golf, and I love pizza. It's one word. But the Greeks, there's four different words for this idea of love. Storge, which is this affinity towards something. I I, got storge pizza. Um, Philos, this idea of brotherly love where Philadelphia gets its name from. Uh, Eros, which is this romantic type of love. I Eros, my wife. But then there's agape. This word agape, you've probably heard it before. It is this others-oriented self-sacrificing, unconditional type of love. You see, when we talk about longing for home, I think what we're really longing for is this agape type of love. Because agape love, it's, it's unmerited. And what I mean by that is this, and catch it, agape love, it's choice-based, not performance-based which means I don't have to do anything to earn it. I just get to be the recipient of it. Isn't that awesome? You know, home represents that for me. I long for a place where I'm selflessly cared about. I long for a place where people, they want what's best for me. They're in my corner and they wanna see me flourish. Home is where I'm agape loved. Third thing is at home is where I'm accepted. Do you guys remember that show, Cheers? I was thinking about this week, just because um, Kirstie Alley, like the, one of the main actresses, died this past week. Um, so the, on the radio they were talking a lot about that show, Cheers. One of the things I remember most about Cheers was the theme song, right? Sometimes you wanna go wherever, come on, help me out here. It knows your name, bom, 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 bom. And they're always glad you came, bom, bom, bum. You wanna be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You wanna go where everybody knows your Come on, give yourselves a hand for that. You know, I heard on the radio that that show, um, 93 million people tuned in for its final episode. 93 million people watched that finale. I think the reason why that show resonated so much with people because it spoke to this need that we have, which is to belong. You see, this show centered around this bar in Austin, but it was or Boston, but it was really about like this group of friends. And what would happen is every time one of them came through the door, remember what they would all do? They would all yell their name with enthusiasm, Norm. I think there's a lot of people that go through life always feeling like an outsider. I think there's people that go through life never feeling like they truly fit in, that they truly belong, always feeling like a fifth wheel We long for this place where people are genuinely glad to see us. They're genuinely glad to have us around. We all long to be accepted. And for me, man, home is that. Home is where we're accepted. And then home is where I'm safe. And I'm not talking about literal safety. I'm not talking about protection from the boogeyman. What I mean by home is where I'm safe is that home is where I can be disarmed, Home is where I can let my guard down. Home is where I can take off the mask and be myself. Home is where I don't have to be on. Man, I've known people who, they're so consumed with the opinions of others. And man, they just go through life always looking over their shoulder. They go through life in this constant state of worry always having to perform, always having to be on. And man, it sounds exhausting, (laughs) doesn't it? But home is where I don't have to be that. I can be myself. Home is where I'm safe. And then finally, home is where I find rest. This is a big one for me. I love to travel, um, but I'm one of those where I'm, like traveling for me isn't restful. I know some people, that they get a lot of rest from traveling. For me, I'm like, it's kind of exhausting to travel. My family this summer, we were able to take some extended time off and it was awesome to kind of see some family and to, uh, we did some fun things, but man, there's this point in which you're on the road living out of a suitcase and you're just like, I just wanna be home. It's just not restful. And I can stay in the world's nicest hotels, but it's not my bed. And I can stay with friends and family and people I love to see, but man, it's not my couch, it's not my TV, right? There's just something about the familiar where we can just rest, we can recharge. And home is that. So home is this place that we long for this time of year for these reasons, because I believe it's, we want to be known, it's, it's where we can be, are loved, it's where we're accepted, it's where we can feel safe, and it's where we can get rest. And we long for that this time of year. Now I wanna shift gears, because now I wanna tell you how we can really experience true sense of home. How we can find our true home and I know that there's some of you in here that, like I said, your childhood was not so great. And maybe you never had what you would call home. But I'm here to tell you, maybe, maybe home for you was just this idea. Maybe home for you was like some fictitious place that you thought you would never find or experience. But I'm here to tell you today, you can find it today. It's waiting for you. And maybe others of you have this picturesque life or, and I know people like this, maybe you've working yourself to the bone to try to create this idea of home here. But I'm here to tell you, no matter what we create, it's just a cheap imitation of the real thing. But you can find that real thing today. You can have that real thing today. Now, I fully realize that we're about halfway through and I've yet to open the Bible, but get ready because we're about to unload a bunch of scripture. But as I was thinking about this idea of home and what it means to me, man, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week that it's not a place. Home is found in a person. First thing I want to share with you this morning is that It's in Christ that we are known. It's in Christ that you're known. Psalm 139, verse 13. You were on it through your curveball. Psalm 139, verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed bodies. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You are known. And I can tell you this, no one knows you better than the one who created you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows every hair on your head. For some of you, that's easier than others. But he, he knows you. He knows every thought you've ever thought. He knows the thoughts you're gonna think. No one knows you like the one who created you, and he didn't just create you, church. You gotta hear me. You were fearfully, wonderfully made. You were designed uniquely with intentionality. He knows you. John chapter 10, verse 14, I love this. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And then later in verse 27, my sheep, Listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. No one knows you better than the one who created you. No one knows you better than the good shepherd. Second thing is, <clears throat> in Christ, we are loved. <clears throat> in Christ, we're loved. I want to share with you this cool story. <clears throat> there was this missions organization that... Um, their focus was translating the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me, was translating the Bible into uh, the dialects of these different African tribes. Ah, oh, thank you. Y'all saw that. You saw that, right? I always make fun of Dave for having his little water thingy there. I understand now. I get it now. Thank you so much. But this uh, missions organization, they really focus on translating the Bible to these African tribes, and there's a story. It says, the verbs for this particular African language consistently end with one of three vowels. Almost every verb ends in I, A, or U. But the word for love was found only with I and A. Why is there no U? Dennis Farthing, uh, this guy, said that the Bible translation team gathered up some of the most influential leaders in this local community in an effort to truly understand the concept of love in this African language. And so the missionaries began to question, can you devi your wife? Yes, they answered. That would mean that the wife had been loved, but love is now gone. The missionaries went on to ask could you deva your wife? They said, yes. This kind of love depends on your wife's actions. She would be loved as long as she remained faithful and took good care of her family. The missionaries then asked, could you devu your wife? All the tribal leaders in the room started laughing. Of course not. If you said that, you would have to keep loving your wife no matter what she did. Even if she never got you water or made you meals, even if she committed adultery, you would have to just keep loving her. No, we would never say that. It doesn't exist. Guess what? It does exist. It does exist. You see, John 15, 13 tells us there's no greater form of love than one who's willing to lay down their life for another. And then Romans 5, 8 tells me that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. So you know what that means? That means that God poured out the most greatest, incredible form of love on the most undeserving version of me, on the most unlovable version of me. And he did that because that's who he is, that's his nature. 1 John 4, seven says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you don't hear anything else today, just know, You are unconditionally, supernaturally loved by God. And it's a love that Ephesians 3 says surpasses understanding, which means even the brightest minds in human history could even scratch the surface of how deep God loves you. It's in Christ that we're loved. Next, it's in Christ. It's in my relationship with Jesus that I am truly accepted Romans eight fourteen says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And then listen to what verse 17 says. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You see, in Jesus, in my relationship with Jesus, in Christ, I don't ever have to feel like an outsider. I don't ever have to feel like I don't fit in or I don't belong because he welcomes you with open arms and he doesn't just welcome you, he gives you his very name. And he gives you a new identity, and adopts you into his family forever and ever. It's in Christ that you will truly be accepted. Fourth thing is that in Christ we are safe. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. Romans 8.38, love this verse. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, I don't have to go through my life looking over my shoulder. I don't have to go through my life always worrying about what other people are thinking. I don't have to go through my life performing, trying to impress trying to be on all the time because it's in Christ that I am secure in who I am and who he says I am. In Christ, we're safe. I can let my guard down. I can be myself. And then finally in Christ, we find rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, the Bible's full of these counterintuitive principles where like, if you die to yourself, you'll find life, and where I'm weak, then I'll find strength, and I think this is one of those things. Because you see, the harder I try, to follow Jesus, the harder I try, the more I try to white knuckle this thing called Christianity, the more likely I am to fail and screw it up. But my ability to walk with him, my ability to become more like him, my ability to live the life he's called me to is actually found in my inability to do it. It's found in my increased dependence on him. Which means, listen, I don't have to manage everything. I don't have to control everything. I don't have to keep all the plates spinning. Instead, I can just allow his strength, his power, his spirit to flow through me. There's rest in him. I think we should all just give a big exhale. I don't have to do it all. Thank you, Jesus. His burden is light. There's rest in him. And as we close, there's this quote by Tim Keller. I mean, as we're talking about this idea of home, Tim Keller said that you can't understand the human condition without understanding alienation. Not alienation, alienation. Here's what he means by that, is that, listen, I am not physically, I'm not literally homeless, but we're all spiritually homeless. See, every single human being, that's this tension about this life we live because we try to create these homes here in this life on this earth, but yet we live in a place that's not our home. That's the tension of it all. We're exiles, we're aliens. You know, I uh, experienced alienation firsthand recently. Um, I kinda got into scuba diving lately, and I'm sure there's a bunch of divers in here. But um, I did it because my oldest son's super passionate about it, and I just wanted to spend some more time with him, so I went and did all the classes and training and all that stuff. But here's the thing that stuck out to me about scuba diving. When I looked at all the equipment needed and all the hours and hours of classroom and training just to be underwater, I just went, we're not supposed to be there. It's crazy. And then all the things that could go wrong. Like, we're not supposed to be down here. This summer I had the opportunity, it was super cool, but I had the opportunity, I dove this shipwreck that was like at 114 feet. I experienced alienation, because I was down there going, I should not be here. This is not where I belong. I guess you could say the opposite's true for a fish. Right? If you catch it, it's like frantically flopping in the boat because it's going, this is not where I belong. I think in the same way, we, we live in a world where we don't belong. We exist here, but it's not where we're meant to be. And I may be here for a short time, but it's not my home. I may be passing through, but it's not my home. And even in the greatest of circumstances, with the greatest house, with the greatest family, guess what, it's still not your home. And we may have glimpses of what true home is while we're here on this earth. We may get a taste of it here, but it's not the real thing. We're aliens, we're exiles in this world. That's what Tim Keller was talking about. But here's the good news, Jesus came and he became the ultimate exile so that we can find our true home. He was cast out and placed on a cross so that we could find home. He was banished. God was forced to turn his back on his son to where Jesus cried on the cross, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He was cast out and he did it so that we could find home and he ransomed us, he redeemed us, and he paid our sin debt so that we could find home. And right before he went to the cross, Jesus said this to his disciples in John 14, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? But if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Because guess what? Where he is, you're known. Where he is, you're loved. Where he is, you're accepted. Where he is, you're safe. Where he is, you can find rest. Where he is, your home. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that, first off, God, that you are just. I thank you that, Lord, the deepest longings in our soul, God, the deepest needs in our heart, that, God, you can fill them all. To God, this longing that we have for this place, this idea called home, that, God, we can find it in you. To God, our... Desire to be known can be found in you. Our desire to be loved and accepted can be found in you. And God, you are a place that we can run to and find safety and rest. God, I thank you that you fill every need, every desire. And God, I know there's people in here that maybe they've been searching for this their whole life. This idea, this place that we call home, but God, they they don't even know what it is, they don't even know what it looks like, they just know they want it and they've been searching for it. God, there may be people who've been searching for it their whole life, but God, it's found in you, and I pray they would know that today, that, Lord, they can find their true home in you today. In fact, if that's you, if you've been searching your whole life, looking for a place to be known and loved and accepted. You can find that today. All you have to do is pray this to Jesus. Say, God, I repent. I am a sinner. I am far from you. And God, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came and you died on a cross to pay for my sins. And God, I believe that you rose again. And that you're alive and well and reigning today. And God, I make you Lord of my life. I give you my heart. And the rest of my life, all of my days, I will spend following you. God, I pray that, Lord, we would experience the love, the acceptance that you offer, God, that you open up your arms and you call us sons and daughters, that we can call you Abba, Father, you're not a distant God. God, we can know you and you don't just know us, but God, you adopt us and give us your name and we become heirs who will spend eternity with you. God, I praise you for that and thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for what you've done here today. God, for those who've given their hearts to you, God, I pray that, Lord, you would surround them with people to help them walk this journey that you've called us on. God, I thank you for you. I thank you for a sense of home that we find in you. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.